This is Davos. I just wish to tell you that Gregoire and Dan Beeston ought to know better. Episode 59 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I am Gregoire. In this episode, I'm going to be coming to terms with flamboyant dinosaurs. And I'm going to be pointing out that Dan's drinking problem might be helping him. We also have a walk of shame that you could drive a bus through. It's a big, it's a big thing. I mean, it's going to hit a bunch of stuff. That's right. It's full of it. Yeah, that's what we're trying to say here. Yes, that's right. And we were introduced by Davros. Very exciting. Yeah, like a Doctor Who villain, a uh, proper Doctor Who. A uh, proper Doctor Who. That was Terry Malloy, the second Davros. No, I think that if you listen back. It's Davros. Yes. He introduces himself as Davros. Now, you know that Davros is evil. Indefinitely, indubitably. He intentionally doesn't get the name of our podcast right. I know, that's how evil he is. People, he just he just decided to destroy us. Oh, Davros. We'll Merry destroy. Xmas. Uh, Merry Xmas to you two. I drank a lot of blood. Did you, good? That's not necessarily a Yuletide thing. I just, <laughs> it's just something that your family likes Although to do. That's a re- that, it's probably a religious practice somewhere. So just maybe, yes, a vampire bat religion or some sort of exciting... But we discussed drinking blood recently on the podcast. Yes, yes, we did. Yes? Mm. And what was the decision? Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not good for you. Don't drink a lot of blood. No, no. So, so Dan, why it have you been drinking... It irritates your stomach. And, and, that's, and it irritates people who have to listen to it as well. I mean, that's, that's not good. So, um, so yeah, what happened you, to you? You drank a lot of blood once, didn't you? Well, yes. You, we discussed this on the podcast. You had your wisdom teeth. Yes, I did. Yes, drank a lot of blood. Yes, vomited pink froth. Pink froth everywhere. Yeah, now, that's right. I'm smarter than that. Uh-huh. Only just <laughs> because I had a wisdom tooth taken out. Congratulations. And it bled a lot. Oh, good. It was quite a nasty extraction. Right. That is the exact phrase the dentist used. Oh. Nasty extraction. Come back in a week. Mm. So I can double check it. Mm. Mm. I didn't come back in a week. Mm. I came back in about 45 minutes. Oh, that's good. That's, that shows that you're keen. You're yeah. keen. Dedicated to After the whole dental hygiene. Quite a bit of my own blood. Ah. Mm. He managed to perforate my sinuses. Oh, good. So he popped a hole between my mouth and my nose chamber. Good, good. Yes. And <laughs> it was bleeding. And it wouldn't clot. And you know what it, what the word is for when something doesn't clot? Hemorrhage. 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 I had a double hemorrhage in my face. A double hemorrhage. Yes. Right across your mouth. Yes. Double hemorrhage. Two of right my three breathing holes right. were involved in hemorrhaging blood. Good. <laughs> so I had to rush to the hospital. Mm, mm. I got to have morphine. Oh, lovely. But rather foolishly, whenever they asked me how much pain I was in, I was all stoic. No. And it was like, no. out of ten, and I'm like, oh, it's a three. Nine. Five. Always say nine. Nine. That's nine. What, that's what the druggie in the next bed mm. from me kept mm. saying. Like, so what's the, uh, out of ten, what is it? Oh, it's a nine. Oh, mm. We better pump you full of this shit yeah, yeah. then. <laughs> so I had like a half a milligram of morphine, and I was like, oh, that's all right, I guess. I feel slightly more relaxed. Yep. So like, you could have given me a mojito. I just, uh, just holding a mojito would make me as relaxed as the oh, amount of morphine there you go. I got. There's a test. They kept sewing me up. I'm lying in a bit, gushing blood. Mm. Well, I stopped drinking the blood. Good. 
Good. Or tried to. That's right. I know you have a drinking problem, but that's ridiculous. I was ridiculous. trying to spit up as much blood as possible. But it is really disconcerting to watch a lot of your blood leave your body. Mm. Like mm. mouthfuls of blood every couple of <laughs> Oh, by the way, we, we probably have a trigger warning on this at some point, much earlier than this point right now. Huh? Trigger warnings to people who, who don't deal well with blood. There was a lot of blood. <laughs> and I'll tell you who doesn't deal well with blood. Yes. My wife. Oh, good. Who was following my adventures mm. on Facebook chat and <clears> Messenger. <throat> what you do nowadays because that's how she keeps up to date mm. and because it was in text she went and because i was being stoic mm. she was like oh that seems fine only suffering seems levels fine. of three of pain right now i could have a mojito she when she turned up to the hospital just to make sure i was okay mm. she walked in went white as a sheet almost passed out oh that's lovely but um, <laughs> when you're sitting in a, an emergency ward and there's no one around mm. and you're bleeding the best thing in the world is when you see Someone who knows what they're doing, who you recognise. And a brief figure came into view, and I went, Greg! And it wasn't you. It wasn't me, no, no. It was friend of the podcast, Dr. Greg Watson. Who's the faecal transplant guy. Well, the one who told us about faecal transplants, yes. And he he went straight past, Mm. ignored me completely. Of course, he's a doctor. And then... Important things to do. And then, like, a a second, a comedic second and a half passed, and then just his head hove into view, (laughs) and went... What the hell are you doing here? And I said, bleeding to death. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was nice to see a familiar face. Mm. They tried to stop the bleeding mm. with gauze. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. Every time they plugged up the hole in my mouth, blood would come out my nose. Every time they stopped blood coming out my nose, more blood would come out my mouth. Did it come out your ear as well? Or your anus? We'll get to that. Oh, oh, this is a serious trigger warning. Trigger warnings. <laughs> All up and down the digestive tract. <laughs> they sewed up the hole in my mouth mm. with a, a local anaesthetic. So they're putting a pin straight in my mouth, oh. sewing it up. And they said, this is a temporary measure. Mm. The bleeding stopped, but they, it kept stopping and then starting again. And they went, you know what? We're just going to put you into theatre. So I had a general anaesthetic for the first time. Nice. How was that? I don't remember it. <laughs> you don't remember having it? You don't remember it at all? I don't remember having I remember talking to them because I, I said... I heard that you don't dream when you're under general mm. anaesthetic. Is that true? And one of the nurses is like, you can dream about whatever you want to. Oh, and I'm like, shut up. That's right. What the f- don't, No, just don't, don't. I'm not six. Yes. I heard that you don't dream. Is <laughs> yes. it true? And uh, they didn't really give me a strong answer on that. Uh, I woke up at the end and I had been dreaming. Oh, okay. So you, your, mem- your memory is dreaming. I don't remember what the dream was. Mm. All I know is that my friends were there and that was it. Okay, there you go. Oh. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. Helping me out uh, in my comatose state. That's right. Taking all your but stuff. But they put a bloody hose up my nose and then down my throat. Mm. I don't remember that. Yeah. But I can feel it yeah. in the back of my throat. Still? Okay. It's a little scrapey bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so I spent a week taking codeine. Mm. My colesaw flared up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. another thing to add to it. Yeah. I couldn't really shave, so I had beard itch. <laughs> so, um... Don't go to the dentist, what you're trying to say. Don't go to the dentist. That's right. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> uh, but I did learn a really interesting piece of medical science. What's that? I learned what codeine does to the body. What does the codeine do to the body, then? It gives you constipation. <laughs> Not just constipation. That can't be all it does. No, no, no. It does some pain side effects, side effects may include constipation. And any pain that was killed over the previous mm. week was then negated. Mm. By what turns out to be probably a baby's fist style wad of tacky, tar like, mm. codeinified 
blood. Right. Fun. That sat in my rectum. <laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> this is all downhill from here. If only that were the case. <laughs> so you had to Unless it was in- the downhillness uh-huh. that eluded me. I see. Now, you might, listener, you might think you know what constipation is. Very painful poo mm. that finally ends. This was not coming out. And I'm going to use a phrase that is going to upset listeners and myself. The phrase is manual disintegration. I don't think we need to go any further than that. (laughs) That's probably all we need to know. Staying on that theme, though, not that I'm discarding your pain and suffering. Yeah. uh, we talked in the last podcast about timing of mammal pee, and I very oh, yeah. and I very flippantly, and which which was so those who haven't listened to the podcast or have very short memories, it's been shown the uh, that most mammals of of a large size or mammals of a large size will actually take about twenty one seconds on average to empty their bladder. 21 seconds. Whether you're a dog or an elephant or a human, it makes no difference. It's only when it gets very, very small, so rat-like creatures, because then Little it's... Teeny tiny bats. Yeah, and bats and things, because it's no longer... Um, uh, it comes out of viscosity then, not not the stream. And so I sort of flippantly said, hey, listeners of the podcast, why don't you give us some data points? And not expecting to get any, or maybe get one or two. We were inundated, if I can, <laughs> if I can use that Flooded. Word. Flooded. Flooded um, with data. With, we really were. Uh, through Twitter, people People were happily just right to me. That's, that was the first one. People just started tweeting numbers at. at two, I got very confused. At, I, I couldn't know what it is. Like at SE2KB, we suddenly get 35, 16, 19. I was like, what are these tweets that are being sent to us? I couldn't, and I didn't click until much later. I went, oh, they're timed. They didn't put seconds after them. I just put this number. And I was like, that's, okay, work that out. Well, that's good. And then when then the forum started filling up with P numbers, and then emails were sent to me with P numbers. Anywhere I went, people were like, Greg, Greg, here's how long it took me to pee. Now, I'd like to point out every single one of them, as far as I can tell, was male. I don't think any girl has sent their P numbers to us yet. I, so I, I'm not. That's that's fine. That's no problem. But I'm also saying that our data is only skewed to the males. Mm. That's the so Just so we know. But the, I have to give special mention to Barnes, Michael Barnes. He he went above and beyond. Absolutely. Uh, did you measure yours? I did actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What'd I, you get? I, I did. I, in, mine was slightly longer, about 23 seconds on average. My average was about 23 seconds. And that oh. was taken over a week. Oh, okay. I only measured twice. It's 30 seconds average. Well, see, twice is not a, not enough. That's the problem. No. Taking one here, but, one there is not enough. But it seemed like a normal amount of, of time. You can't, but that's, what, that's anecdotal. I don't know whether I've ever peed less than That's anecdotal. You can't. It's subjective. You can't. It always seems like, you know. Oh, sorry, Michael Barnes sent us from the 18th of the 11th to the 4th of the 12th. Every pee he had. Wow. Every pee. He put it in an Excel spreadsheet. I've got everything, and with and, and, and the times six oh eight. He should have put it in an expel. Oh, uh, very good. Like things like thank you very six, much. Six oh six oh eight in the morning. Uh, twenty nine point four seconds. Ten twenty. Twenty two point one five seconds. Two thirty one. Uh, and it, it goes through like four or five times. He puts the times, and then he puts little anecdotes, <laughs> little notes on there. Went before a meeting. Shorter. Just before leaving work. A long pee. Dude beside me at urinal, creeping me out. <laughs> I did not. Did I not say <laughs> too crowded public urinal? Drops a phone stopwatch. 
<laughs> it's fantastic. So if he and he averaged out in the end, his average. If you only take his morning full bladder, so so after sleeping all night, which is not what we said, but just mm-hmm. his morning full. But we did. I think we did mention that it's thirty-two seconds. That's his morning full bladder, mm-hmm. which is kind of close to what you're saying. But if you take all his times, all of them, even his morning full bladder, all of them, and average them out, twenty-one point two two seconds. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all for, for two weeks of solid data, five Ps on average a day. That's pretty good, Michael. Thank you very much for that amazingness. And when I started plugging all these numbers in, uh, all the numbers I've got from all the disparate people, we're, once again, we're looking sort of, it, it's skewed a bit higher. It's sort of skewed where mine was, about 23, 23 and a half, 23.7, I think it was. So uh, once again, I think that Michael's I've got is much more accurate yeah, because yeah. his is he took the times yeah. and everyone else, we're trying to work out why they got I've it wrong. I've got a theory about why it's skews higher. Why is that? Because when you have been waiting too long, peeing is more present in your mind. If you if you just go to the bathroom without thinking about it, mm. then you're probably not going, oh, I'll set the timer. Mm. If you're like, oh, I really need to go to the toilet, mm. I'm like, oh, that reminds me. I should be measuring Maybe. my pee yeah, it's, for smart enough to know better. It's observational bias, absolutely. So I don't mind, with, even if it's like even if it's 23.7, the average from all of our lovely listeners sending information, with, that's within the error bars, that's fine. That, that is absolutely within the, what I consider error margins. I reckon there's something a bit up there with... Because human beings decide when to go to the bathroom mm. and make the conscious decision, whereas an animal will just go when it needs to go, mm. generally, unless mm. it's a dog that's been house-trained. Mm. But animals that live inside a human household tend to have training yes. to stop their natural mechanisms of urination. So sure. I reckon there's something else going on oh, there. There probably is. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying there. But, but, but that aside, I mean, 23.7 seconds compared to the 21 they, these, the uh, scientists found across all animals... That's within. That's within. That's not statistically anomalous to me at all in any way. With a very sh- small amount of data points uh, and sorry number, and for the number of P's from different people, some people only sent one into me or two into mm-hmm. me, like you only had two. That's going to skew it. That, the error bar has become quite large. I would. We'll have to. We would have to maybe go talk to Doctor Sam Clifford, who's been on the podcast again, oh. and get him to discuss whether or not it's anomalous. I would predict that the the range would be larger in humans and dogs that are house trained. Because of their training. Because of their training. Sure. No, no, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. But no, that's my science. So lots of blood and pee this week and bud and pee. But that's it. That's it. That's the only science we're going to do. But we'll have no, to no, 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 no. That's oh. it for this episode. All right. Everything from now on is nice stuff. Yes, it, it is. It is actually. It is very nice stuff. Gather round, children, for a terrible tale of the walking dead. In 1968, there was a great zombie movie called The Night of the Living Dead. In that movie, zombies traveled at one step per second. In 2013, in the movie World War Z... Zombies were much faster and travelled at 6.7 steps per second. Now, as I'm sure you know, the average human stride length is 1.14 times their leg length. And the average human leg length is 61% of their total height. And the average human height is 162 centimetres. 
Therefore, the average human leg is 98.8 centimeters, and the average human stride is 112.6 centimeters. Assuming no shuffling, a 1968 zombie could travel at a maximum of 4.05 kilometers an hour. But a 2013 zombie can travel at a maximum of 40.73 kilometers an hour. This is an increase of their velocity of 0.85 kilometers an hour every year for 45 years. If the velocity increases linearly and we set the speed of light at approximately 1 billion kilometers an hour, it will take 1.17 billion years for zombies to be traveling at light speed. But it could be much, much worse, children. From 1968 to 2013, zombie velocity has increased by a factor of 10. If this trend continues, then the zombies will reach light speed in less than 405 years. <laughs> Once again, a listener has pointed out brand new dinosaur news. She-Jedi mm-hmm. has pointed me in the direction of an article. Do you think this article is about dinosaurs having much sharper and threatening teeth? No, I, I, I think it's going to be the... I'm going to predict... I'm going to predict... Here's my yeah. prediction. That it's going to be about a dinosaur that likes tapas. That goes... <laughs> that only likes... Eats tapas. And watching its figure uh, and, 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 and is very, very environmentally conscious. Uh, save the meteorites. They, they've unearthed a dinosaur musical. Yeah, that's right. No, uh, not but th- very close. <laughs> Thank you to She-Jedi who pointed out that scientists in Canada have recently discovered a duck-billed dinosaur has, like, a fleshy, colourful comb (laughs) sitting out of their head like a goddamn turkey. Hooray! At least not feathers. Thank you, (laughs) She-Jedi. And can I say, I'm not actually angry about this. I'm not frustrated. You seem quite frustrated. I... That's all for dramatic effect. Because <laughs> you know what? I love dinosaurs. Mm, and mm. one of the reasons I love dinosaurs is there is just a huge wealth of crazy dinosaurs out there. Mm. There's something like a Demetrodon. Looks basically like a sailboat. Right. Great big fin off the back. Mm-hmm. You've got your hadrosaurids, mm-hmm. which are your duck-billed dinosaurs, and they have all sorts of crazy heads. There's a uh, Charonosaurus. Looks like an upended sailboat with one of them <laughs> winged keels sticking out of its forehead. <laughs> They're brilliant. Yes. Like, you, you've got the whole gamut. Little tiny ones, great big ones, crazy big And that shouldn't surprise us, because it's like saying all mammals look alike. You've got giant whales and you've got little shrews. Yeah. I mean, they're all mammals. Yeah. Dinosaurs, why would they be different? Yeah. Hmm. So there's, a, there's one, and instead of having a big bony plate on its head, it's hmm. got like a, a bobble. Right. Like a, a boobily bobble thing, <laughs> coloured bobble for mating purposes or something. We hope. I hope. For her pleasure. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's fine. Mm. I love that. That's brilliant. Mm. I just want to reiterate to everyone listening, there is no direct evidence of Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> having feathers. Okay? Yes, 
There are velociraptors that have there's, been found. There's yes. theories. There are theories that their babies might have had them. No, but yeah, sure. Oh, look, there's a wealth of theories about <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex's feathers. That's what I wanted. This is the this is the the level of aggression I was after. This is good. This is good. Now. But there is no direct no, no. evidence. There is no direct evidence. That Tyrannosaurus... Now there is direct evidence that some other Tyrannosaurus species have feathers. <laughs> <laughs> there is no direct evidence. There is as much evidence that T-Rex had feathers mm. as there is that Lucy, i.e. Australopithecus afarensis, mm. had hair. Mm. Mm. Quite conceivably, Lucy may be the only primate uh, subgenre. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, <laughs> not a genre. Not a scientist. Uh, the uh, yes, I, I'm species? the. I, I, no. Yes, yeah, sub. Yeah, uh, phylum. Phil, no, phylum. No, I don't think it is. It's a human. She's a human. What? Homo australopithecus. She's a human. Yeah. There you go. Homo australopithecus. She might be the oh, only. I don't know if she is actually homo. Oh no, she is. No, she is. No, she is. Well, no, she's homo. She's, homo. she's australopithecus. Oh no, she's got... oh, there you go. Bloody hell, I'm totally wrong. Oh, don't write in about that one. I got it wrong. Okay, she might be <laughs> nude of hair. She may be like her her mm. race. Maybe covered in feathers. Shut up. <laughs> the so yeah, I mean, who knows? Sure. Who knows? Maybe Tyrannosaurus Rex is the only nude dinosaur. Um, <laughs> as I say that, I realise. That I really am desperately clutching at straws. That's right. At least you're not cl- clutching at feathers. That's. The I end. am trying. Shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to rationalise this. Maybe, maybe, because dinosaurs are so cool. Mm, mm. Maybe feathers become cool by association. Ah. Maybe birds become oh, cool no, no. and terrifying by association. I, I understand that. Every time I see a pelican, I go, "That's a damn cool bird. A booby. What a cool bird." All right, all right, all right. Do you know what's really funny? The funny thing for me is this is that, that, that you know, sometimes people talk about religion and God being pushed into the margins, like the God of the gaps, and every time science works something out, God is like, God created the universe. We're actually the big man. Okay, God did this, so we move back. Okay, God did that. Okay, God hides in your cupboard. Okay, we looked in the cupboard. It's always God. Now you're, you're like the dinosaur expert of the gaps. It's like, they, none of them had feathers. Okay, some of them had feathers. Most of them had feathers. This guy didn't have feathers. Oh, please don't have feathers. It's good stuff. Are you saying that I'm gripping tenaciously to my... Um... Outmoded and loved ideas. Yeah? <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. Yes, I am. All right. All right. I, I think I can step forward. Oh. The thing is that whilst everyone calls them feathered dinosaurs, mm, mm. the actual scientists don't call them feathers, do they? No, not, no. not particularly. They're what do they call them? Proto-feathers. Proto-feathers. Ah, right. So I will concede... <laughs> That T-Rex, mm. Tyrannosaurus Rex, mm, mm. the tyrant lizard, may, <laughs> may have been covered in spikes. Fantasy sex lines. Calls will be charged at $4.95 a minute. Hello? Hi there. Your voice sounds sexy. We're on a train. Is the engine strong? It sure is. We meet at King's Cross Station in Sydney and find our first-class berth. I throw you down on the bed. I slip out of my silk dress. I climb down and kiss you. The train begins its long... Long... Long journey to Perth. We'd better make this last a long time. (laughs) The train quickly accelerates to 60 kilometres per hour. I can feel the throbbing of the tracks beneath us. After an hour of kissing 
and touching. <sighs> the train accelerates to 70 kilometers per hour. Oh, faster. If we left at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, what time does the train arrive in Fremantle? Well, 60 kilometers in the first hour, and then divide the remaining time by... By what? Kevin? What? Kevin Milliken. Are you cheating on your homework? Mrs Fitzgerald? No. Mrs Fitzgerald? Dan. That's me. After all that passion about dinosaurs... Yeah? I think you need a drink. Oh, hello. <laughs> I think you I'm need... I'm on board. I think, yeah, see, look, his eyes lit up and he's all excited again. He's oh, just smiling. Is there, no, 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 hold on. Hold on, hold on. You have no idea. Oh, all right. I don't think you have a drinking problem, but out of the two of us... Oh, God. That, that, that's a good way to approach it. I don't think you've got a drinking problem, but... But, but, <laughs> you, out of the two of us, you like to drink much more than I do. Yes. If someone said, we have to see which one drinks more, it would be you. Yes. It would, that wouldn't even be a competition. No. It wouldn't even be... People wouldn't even... No. Anyone in the US would just go, and it's Dan. Yeah. I mean, you could probably out-drink me. Oh. Well, thank you. You, uh... <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Because you I, tend to... You tend to go for the binge. You, like, don't drink anything casually for, no. like, six months. Yes. And then you're just like, Glenn Fitty, yes. buddy, eight shots. Oh, God. That's where's right. the horizon that's gone? True. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Whereas I'm sort of... I'm, I'm a marathon. <laughs> I'm a long-distance drinker. Long haul. When, he, when he means for a long haul, he means 37 years. Uh, but <laughs> that's, that's what he means. Now, <laughs> if you drink too much, then you might have liver issues, and you kill brain cells, and you may have social that's, issues. I don't think it kills brain cells. Doesn't it? No, I'm pretty oh. sure that's a... That's a oh, that good. disproven. Oh, good. Excellent. Well, then, a, yay yeah. for the brain. But... Yeah. It, it makes them all alcoholic. They can't hold down a job. But, uh, <laughs> they I'm play sure a lot of die. Xbox One. <laughs> now, what has been shown is, well, there's been a bit of work on this now, and it seems to be, there seems to be some evidence, though we will discuss what I think of this evidence, that people who drink more are on average smarter than people who don't drink more. So it's based on... Hooray! There's a few things here. People, based on 3,000 fraternal and identical twins, a Finnish researcher, that's quite a few. Uh, so that's a, that's a large number of people. They actually worked out that the sibling who first develops verbal abilities... Was and the drunk. Was the drunk. Is the one who actually goes forward to drink earlier as well. Oh, oh, oh. So, so, the, so drinking doesn't make you smarter. No, no, no. But, but smarter, smarter people, people drink. drink. Exactly right. That's probably how I should have said it, yes. So they're saying that... It's, it makes you more social, and intelligence isn't just, of course, doing tests and getting high tests. It's also the emotional intelligence, social intelligences mixed all together, gardeners, gardeners multiple intelligences. And they're saying there seems to be a correlation between intelligent people, the ability to verbalise, and therefore the, the earliness which you start to drink, because drinking is a very social thing normally. It's normally done in a social setting. So I thought that was quite interesting. Wow, but- my Uncle Carl must be a f- rocket scientist. <laughs> this is, yes. Now, here's, here's another one. There was a... Um, uh, a Japanese study in the same sort of area, and they said that the smarter people can deal with new situations better than, than not-so-smart people. Your brain is more plastic and is able to handle something that didn't come from the Pleistocene era. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you laughing at me? No, it's just like the, the uh, smarter people, their brain is more plastic, and maybe that's the alcohol just loosening it up. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, I see what you did. That's very clever. And so things that are evolutionary novel, we can be able to deal with a lot easier. And this theory is, and I don't like this one, but this theory is that alcohol is quite an evolutionary novel thing. It's only about 10,000 years old. Mm-hmm. It's still a long time. Is it? Yeah. yeah but, yes, according, yeah. To, the, according, mean, according I, to the research it is. I bet, I bet birds and elephants have been getting into that stuff. Oh, for, for, for human beings. Human beings. Human beings. So yeah. we're, not, we're not really worried about how clever a smart bird 
bird is in where they drink. Where they're, Elephants where... are smart. They never forget. What did, what did he base that on? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so the idea there is that smarter humans can handle uh, alcohol better because it's a more novel experience. I don't like that one at all. To me, that just seems like rubbish. That's not based on anything at all. So this is ba- basic idea, and it made me scoff when I heard it. But then he said he showed me, proved me wrong. Uh, Satoshi Kanazawa, he actually did a, looked at the data of, of UK children, and he actually showed that children with high IQs at 16 drank a lot more by the age of 23. They also had a lot more drug use in their life as well. So people, smarter people have a habit of using illicit drugs, not just illicit drugs such as, oh, alcohol, right. as well. So, and, and then another study found that 30-year-old women who had earned high IQ scores or uh, intelligence scores at age 5 were more likely to tied weed and use cocaine. But men who scored highly as children at IQ tests are more likely to have used amphetamines or ecstasy. Hmm. And yeah. these are all things that give you more varied mental stimulation. And- yes, that's right. That's what his thing is. Novel novel mental areas. That's what he was trying to say mm. as well. So, once again, I, to me, there's a little correlation, not causation. I'm not too sure how it goes. It gets even worse with correlation and causation. There's another one. It says, smart people prefer wine. So, they looked at a study of 1,800 Danish men, so it's only Danish men, and looking at their IQs and their drinking habits, and they discovered that the smarter you were, the more chance you had of drinking wine compared to beer. That sounds like a cultural thing. That's what I said. As soon as I said that, as soon as I read that, I went, wait, that's probably because wine is considered the elite and beer is considered the, the plebeian, like the down. Mm. Now, what's weird, spirits, the things I like drinking, neither smart nor, not smart nor dumb. So whiskey is not, does, supposedly smarter people don't drink whiskey, but dumber people don't drink. It's just across the board. People just drink whiskey. Because I think, because <laughs> it's superior. And I think it's not about how clever you are. It's actually just a nicer thing it's to drink. Wisdom, it's wisdom, not intelligence. That's right. That's right. It's, just having, it's called having some taste. Let's face it. Wine is just rotten grapes. Why would you drink it? And beer, good God, what's your problem? That's just liquid Vegemite. It's just awful. You're all just lunatics. My problem here with that one, of course, is education, social status, and... And many other cultural things would probably interact whether you're a beer drinker or you're a wine drinker, really. People can step out of that. I mean, we know people who, who come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds but are quite intelligent. Now, they drink wine, but their family drink beers. I, I, I mean, know these sort of people. But that's probably because of choice they've made in life to go and culture them, become all cultured and stuff, and, and <laughs> don't drink beer like their dad. Alcohol is not something that tastes great on the first sip. No. No, it does it's, not. You have, you have to, to acquire a taste. You for have it. to murder your good taste to drink it. And yes. you going to acquire a taste for things that you're exposed to. Mm. So if you aren't exposed to wine until late, but you've been drinking beer since you were 16, mm. then you're going to be like, well, that tastes crap. I'm going to keep drinking beer. But on the other hand, you might have been having beer from a very early age, but then when you get older and you go to college and you suddenly change all your outlooks and all your friends go, oh my God, you drink beer. It, uh, don't drink beer. Drink this horrible stuff. Such It gets so complex Mm. when human beings are involved. I know. They ruin everything. You are familiar with Superman. Oh, you better believe I am. You're familiar with the concept of Superman. I am. And the attempt to reconcile all of his powers under one unifying power. Oh, yes, yes. We've talked about this before. We have talked about this before. Yes, yes. It's something about him being able to control gravity. Yeah, and basically, yes, and because solar power, fields, basically. He controls fields. Gravitation fields, which allows him to push behind him to fly and 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 heat things up with his eyes. eyes, Yeah, yeah. Lenses and things, yeah. But Superman Mm. isn't the greatest superhero of all time. That's Batman, obviously. So wrong. Uh, uh, no. uh, Doctor ba- Who. Batman. The Doctor. 
The no, Doctor. No. I, the Doctor has saved the universe multiple times. The Doctor isn't real. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I think I've come up with a unifying theory <laughs> for Jesus's power. I see. You mean the Son of God? Yes. Right. The one that right. You mean not just the man, or you mean literally the Son of God? Son of God. Yes. So, shall we just go God? Well, it's just Jesus. Just Jesus. And all the stories in the Bible right. about all of his amazing miracles. Okay. Superpowers. Right. I like to call them. Yes. Right. Ah, oh, this one's going to go well. This one's going to go well. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that, that when we first started this podcast, one of the things we said was we weren't just going to go find religion and give it a good kicking. No, I'm not giving it a kicking. Oh, okay, right. Okay. I'm deconstructing uh, the magic powers right. that, 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 that Christians claim that Jesus has. Good. Okay, good. and I reckon, I reckon mm -hmm. they can all be reconciled by one unifying power that he is able to take elements from the air around him mm. and then duplicate fluids. <laughs> He's transforming once a state of matter into another state of matter. Into a state of matter that he has access to. So he's, he's a chemical change then. He, he, he's changing chemically. Yes. Right, okay. Okay, so what are some amazing things that Jesus has done? Created fish out of nothing. Or he increased fish. Yeah, fish and bread. But yes. Okay, so he had like half a dozen fish, half a dozen loaves of bread. Those are not fluids. Yes. But, well, well spotted. but what if he had enough dough to make six loaves of bread? Yeah, he had to cook it. He would have to cook it, and there would be cooking going on. But what he could do is dough is a fluid mass. <laughs> okay. So he would touch the dough yes. and just duplicate the dough. Oh, make dupl lots and lots. What, where's he getting it from? Is he just making it out of raw and out of nothing? He's ex, ex nilho. Aha! That's a religious joke. Out of nothing. That's how the universe is created. Ex nilho. Ex. Ah, uh, right. look it up. It's clever. That was that was really clever. All right. Uh, that's what made it so funny. That's what makes it the... not ex deus, which would be from the ah. Forget it. But he's he's just I don't know he's absorbing the elements around him sure, out of the air carbon right. out of the air just like a tree sure trees just take the carbon out of the air they and they do. stock it inside them so he's some you've got some sort of sucking mechanism he's okay, got a it. sucking mechanism right and and then and and he's able to duplicate fluid right all the dough okay so when they say that he fed masses with bread and fish mm, mm. the fish didn't split up very far no it didn't go show around bread is quite filling plenty of bread plenty of bread plenty of bread that's for true. everyone right okay and of course the wine then that's pretty easy because he just puts his the finger wine. in the wine and he makes has more a, wine like, has a little bit of wine down yeah, the bottom right. and he just goes oh just give me lots of water yeah. And uh, maybe he absorbs the water. Yeah. Maybe that was just a sleigh of hand. But you could blah, 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 Did you say sleigh of hand? Was that a Christmas joke? No. Slight. Slight of hand. Slight of hand? Slight of hand. But a, sl a sleigh of hand is when it moves smoothly across the surface. <laughs> You're making this up. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, girl clumsy is going to laugh her ass off at that one. All right, a sleight of hand, mm. and then he whips up some red wine. Yes, okay. Easy. What about healing the sick? Healing the sick. Healing the sick, that's a big one. Yep, uh, and, like uh, yep. The, like a, the dead guy. Uh, well, let's, 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 go, let's just heal the leper. Healing the sick? He's got healing the sick. That's, the leper. Let's start small What here. he does is he lays his hands on the wound, mm, mm. and he duplicates the white blood 
sell right. liquid. Right. Uh, it's not really a liquid, but okay. It's but, got, well, yeah. I mean, it is. It, it, it's a, well, you no, know, you no. could say the same thing about dough. Okay, it's sure. a okay. bunch of flour particles. Uh, sure. No, no, it's no. a fluid. Uh, okay, right. It's things so in. It, white it, blood cells are things in fluid. Yes. But okay, pull they, back. They, pull they, okay, they pull work back. as a fluid. Okay, mass. right. Okay, sure. Okay, so what, lots of white blood cells. So you can duplicate lots of white blood cells yep. and inspire the body's natural healing. And gives processes. everyone HIV. Well, no, it wouldn't be HIV. It would be an immune, immune, autoimmune response when your body starts kicking the crap out of itself. Well, he doesn't save people from that. <laughs> no, no, no. He's this leprosy. Yeah, right, right, is, okay. And yes. so, like, the guy who was dead... Yes, Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus. Yep. He made, what, I, raising I, from I don't know the how dead. he did, but I'm going to assume it was blood loss. <laughs> so he just it fills it up with blood yes. and does a pulsing... Like fills ah. of blood, so there's just so much blood that he is able to keep. It. I mean, that was a gross, yeah, a gross scene. Yeah, but he's able to keep all the blood flowing. Okay, in order for oxygenated blood. Yep, in so order as to wasn't keep dead him for alive. a while. As long as he wasn't dead for a while, like, yeah, brain damage. That would be a bit of a problem. Yes. Okay. Once um, again, we don't know how long it was. Maybe it says. Maybe they got it wrong. And the blind. The blind. Yes. What if that person was blind because they didn't have enough ocular moisture? Vitreous humor. Vitreous humor. Yes. He could actually sort of. You know, pump that up and, right. and go. And now your eyeballs are nice and full. <laughs> now you're forgetting. I am forgetting. One of my. I'm actually. I think no. Don't forget. I'm just in shock. <laughs> Total shock. One of my favourites. Right. Is Jesus walks on the water. He does. Okay. The high pressure streams Big coming out of his feet. Pipe just like Iron Man. He slurp. I see. And uh, you know how there's all the waves? Yes. But it, it becomes becalmed? Yes, yes. That's because he's pouring water in and he's forcing like a, a pressure. A, a pressure Ugh. that flattens the sea. I see. Yeah. So what about him coming back from the dead? Oh, that was a miracle. <laughs> Intruder detected. Stop or I shall use lethal force. Ho ho! Oh my god! Officer Robot! You shot Santa Claus! Calculating. Oh no! Christmas will be ruined! I have formulated a plan. This Christmas season, your favorite automated justice bot has one night to deliver all the presents in the world. We've got to deliver all these presents to all the children of the world. That requires that we visit 822.6 houses per minute. We'd better get started then. With the clock against them, they'll need a Christmas miracle in a very Officer Robot Christmas special. Miracles are illogical. We have failed. Christmas is ruined. Ho, ho, ho. Walk of shame. Walk of shame. In the last episode, or in some recent episode, I don't count them anymore. <laughs> they just blend together. As a, as a collage of genius. Yes, that's hmm. what it is, genius. I thought it was going to be one of our ideas calling the podcast. Uh, Smart something better, a collage of genius. Now, I tried to call out Steve Nerlick, oh, if you remember. Did, yes, and I knew that you just, just don't, man. He told me, yes. don't eat thermal paper. Sure. Thermal paper. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> it, it did, I did take it that way. <laughs> we had a bit of a chat about bisphenol A, which is uh, something that is 
fine for you in small quantities. And if you have far too much of it, which is really hard to have, mm. then it could be quite dangerous. Sure. He said that there's bisphenol A in thermal paper. Mm. And if a person is touching thermal paper for 10 hours a day, like at a cash register, yes. they could reach up to 71 nanograms a day, which is 42 times less than the present tolerable daily intake. Mm, okay. So, so it's fine. still very... They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Good. And all this plastic and stuff. Mm. Like, they're, they're mm. tiny, tiny amounts. And it, but it's all about the tolerable daily intake, yes. the TDI. But... This experiment that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, mm. that's one of the experiments that are running to define what that value is, the tolerable daily intake. And mm. that's good that there's more and more research mm. about establishing Lower what that or higher is. or whatever it's going to be. It, and whether it's got to move mm. or whether that... Because it's not like a truth in nature mm. that there's a TDI that we know about for bisphenol A. Mm. So, you know, it's good that this research is going on. Yep. Another walk of shame. A, an avalanche was sent to me of walk of shames. People are like, must tell Greg about Dan being wrong. <laughs> Crazy numbers. Oh, brilliant. One of the biggest ones I've ever had sent to me over and over again. Yeah. Same thing. But, so I'm going to say lots of people wrote, but eight different people wrote this one in. Yeah. But I'll, I'll do the first one, which was Chris. Dan uh, misattributed lover, lover. We, we sang lover, lover. Lover, lover, uh-huh. lover. You don't treat me no good no and more. I said it was by a New Zealand band. By a New Zealand band. And you, in fact, you mocked me quite roundly for not realizing that. Yeah. But it's not. It's by Sonia Dada, an American band. And Chris yeah. said, I know this because they saw them at, at the Fiddler's Green in Denver. And, yeah. uh, and it's definitely an American band but that was probably the biggest response i've had in all the walks of shame ever dan doesn't know that musical song get him crucify him oh, don't let him guess. use his water powers to survive sonia dada is a chicago-based band uh-huh. yeah and i i realized the mistake that i'd made yes i had confused sonia dada mm-hmm. lover lover yes yes with the otaro millionaires club how bizarre who are a New Zealand band. <laughs> now, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Yes. But in my defence, it, <laughs> it would actually be very easy to mash those two songs oh, up. Oh, I see. Shall it, I demonstrate? Sure. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Look. Kind of. I. Not as close as I thought they were going to be. No. Look. Don't. 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 You're just embarrassing yourself and embarrassing the podcast now. Just take it that you were whipped by the audience. No, look, I... I, uh, Your audience is much smarter than us. We've said this many times before. It's okay. We all make mistakes. And that's why we've got the walk of shame. Exactly right. Now, there's a, a gentleman, a new listener. Hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, welcome. He is a crazy person. He started. To, he decided to start a podcast one, 1. 1.0, and is working his way through. Now he's got 50 or more than 50. He's got lots and lots to get through. And he's starting to send us all the old mistakes we've made and ones that other people hadn't picked up on or just didn't care back at the start. Now, right, 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 right back, I made a comment about Hindu Arabic numbers and zero and zero being an Arabic 
construction, basically, the, yeah. the number zero being out. And I vaguely remember that a long time ago. What's really funny is I now know that's wrong anyway. That's one of those things that I said back then three years ago, but recently discovered, well, no, it's all right. He's absolutely sure right. Sure you did. No, no, I did. I did. It's, uh, and I'll, I'll send the, I'll send the, put the link up to the thing, how I learned about it. So he's saying, of course, it's an Indian, it's an Indian thing. Yep. It's actually, and he's absolutely right. It's the Hindu. It's India. Part Hindu. of the yeah, Hindu yes. Arabic yes. number or not the, not the Arabic side. And I actually learned that through a SciShow on YouTube. I'll put a link to it. And uh, Hank Green does this science thing about All right. it. And, and that's what I went, oh, there you go. But I didn't connect to the podcast. So thank you, Matt, for pointing out we were wrong. And I look forward to all the other yeah. crazy things we got wrong. You'll be glad to know that whilst you were wrong, yes, yes. so's Matt. Oh, really? Yes. Ooh. Because I got this message as well. Oh, okay. Send yes. it to both of us. Yes. Don't do that, listeners. Send <laughs> it to the, the other person. One or the so other. So we can fool each other on podcasts. Yes. In India... The oldest known usage of a decimal numbering system, including zero, was 458 AD. Mm-hmm. The usage of a little circle to represent it was first found in 876 AD. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you could say that it's been round a long time. Oh, very good. That's very good. I feel like I should put in cheers yeah, yeah. behind that and <laughs> applause. I think so. But before that, long before that, mm. Mesopotamia, second mm. millennium BC... The concept of an empty place value in their sexagesimal numbering system. Take a guess at how much that is. Sexagesimal. Uh, that's six. Sixty. Six, oh, 60. Oh, okay. 60. oh yeah, because base 60. Base 6, that's where our clocks are based on. And yeah, 12s and yeah. Yep. yep. 12s and 3s and 4s uh, and 6s, yeah. So an empty place value was indicated by leaving a space. Yes. And by yes. 300 AD, that was represented with a punctuation mark, which was two slanted wedges. Mm, okay. So zero as a concept has mm. been around a very, very long time. Just, here's a really quick one. Uh, we were trying to work out how big 500 metres squared is. Yes. We managed to establish between ourselves it's 70 metres by 70 metres. Yes, which is a bit more. But 10 metres by 70 metres... It's 700. 700. So that's yes. already too big. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were yeah. out by a factor oh, of yeah, 10. Oh, yeah, we certainly were. Of course we were. The 500 metres 50, 50 by 10 would be 500 metres, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, 22.36 mm. metres by 22.36 metres is about 500 metres squared. Thank you. We get confused. It's hot here. It's very hot. Uh, you were talking about dogs wagging their tails to the right if they're happy yes. or to the left if they're angry. Yes. Jim Ellis asked, if I come across a Southpaw dog, one who's left-handed, uh. who is wagging his tail to the right, would there be a problem? That's a good question. He said, Are dogs left-handed, though? Well, he said, I may have a solution. I'll get the dog to write its name. <laughs> now, how best do you get someone to write their name? You get them to sign for a delivery. <laughs> Who delivers stuff? The mailman. Yes. What occupation is very conscious of dogs hating them? Mailman. That's true. Mm. So the rivalry goes back decades. Maybe, maybe most dogs are actually angry, but it's only the postmen who know when that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but the question you asked... <laughs> Is, are dogs left-handed? Yes. You will be interested to note that the experiment has been done. Ooh. Slightly more than 30% of dogs are ambidextrous. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's more than humans. Yes. Out of the remaining, hmm. slightly more dogs are left-handed than they are right-handed. So more dogs are left-handed then? Yeah. By interesting. A, by a couple of percent. Right. Interesting. Now, what this means is that whatever it is that is making them wag their tail to the right mm. rather than the left when they're happy mm. is being is obviously being considered in this. Yeah, it's nothing to do test. with their it's nothing handedness. to do with their handedness. Yes, or poorness. Poorness. Yes. yes. Cool. I like. Thank you. That's awesome. That's a green blood. 
Oh, yes. my God, the amount of oh, stuff yes. people have yes. sent in about green blood. <laughs> in episode 57... Spence there was a, yes mm-hmm. a crypto zoo about what color your blood what color poo you'd have yes. depending on what color blood you had yes and why that would work we mm. just we discussed how Spock mm. has green blood yes so what color poo is he going to have yes Spence wrote in and he said that you made a statement about oxygen binding to the blood in mm. that mm-hmm. uh, and that is the, the iron that makes the blood red. Uh, it's a bit more complicated than that, he Ooh, says. Okay. If oxygen was bonding directly to the iron, then that would make rust. Well, yes. You'd end up with hydrated iron oxides and iron oxide hydroxide, mm. none of which you want in your blood. Mm, mm. Do not put those in your blood. <laughs> the iron molecule responsible for making blood so good at carrying oxygen is the central structure of haemoglobin, but it's the haemoglobin that carries the oxygen. Right. This means that the oxygen can easily be given up once it reaches deoxygenated tissues by means of simple diffusion, rather than having to put all that energy required to split the oxygen back out of the rust. Okay. So that's a big chemical reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Now, so far as green blood, Hedra Hayes writes in. Hedra is actually a friend of mine. Right. Uh, she's got a middling grasp of science, but the one thing she really does know is Star Trek. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> Now, Vulcan's green blood, mm-hmm. we said that maybe instead of iron, it has copper. Copper, yes. That and that copper. their poos would be an iridescent green or colour a, or like a, a dragonfly's yes, wing. That's right, yes, yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? Like two Vulcans, one cup would just be the highest rated video on YouTube. Oh, my goodness. It'd be, it'd be like watching the, the old Doctor Who titles from the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> We're going through the tunnel. No, stop. Ah! Ah! Okay, Vulcan's green blood, it's yes. not copper. Ooh. The term one is looking for for mm. copper in the blood, mm-hmm. is hemocyanin. Mm-hmm. Because life forms that use copper in their oxygen delivery system do exist on Earth. Right. They've been looked at and often eaten. <laughs> They're invertebrates, sea-dwelling right. invertebrates. Yeah. But Spock's an alien, so he can be a vertebrate with a blood type that's well-suited to low-oxygen environments. Mm-hmm. Say, for instance, at random, I'll pick a fictional planet out of the universe, Vulcan. Right. It's slightly low oxygen, maybe yeah. really low oxygen compared to Earth. Now, Got oxygenated hemocyanin is blue, but sort of a blue-green. Right. Not the green-green that yeah. they depict on Star Trek. Okay. Deoxygenated hemocyanin is clear. Right. Oh. Yeah. That's, mm. So, due to the clear nature... He'd have a glassy poo. Uh, the colour of Vulcan poop is nowhere near as pretty as we claimed. No. It's white to grey, plus whatever strong pigments are in the diet of a Vulcan. Right. So, it would be like a diary, a food diary. A, a food diary? Uh-huh. Food diary? Uh-huh. Bravo, sir. Well, thank you very much. Bravo. I doff my cap to myself. Uh, I'll just put a peg on the board. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, poo gags. Oh, we said no more poo gags. Oh, I'm sorry. But you... But... But, uh, but you didn't say Vulcan blood. Didn't I? You said Spock's blood. Yes, he's half human. Spock Boom! is half human. Wow. <laughs> Spock is half human. He has a hemocyanin-based system, mm-hmm. but his mother didn't while he was in the womb. He once gave a blood transfusion to his father, but human factors uh, had to be filtered out. Human factors. Now, Spock survived as a fetus in a hemoglobin-based environment, Yet he has no hemoglobin as an adult. Mm. Bull pies, says Hezra. <laughs> because she's polite like that. <laughs> it had to be an active system before he was born as mm. his sole source of oxygen depended on it. Mm. Now, what I realise, what she's forgetting, is that the mother doesn't share blood with no, the fetus. There is a blood blood barrier. Yeah, the placenta. gases are exchanged via the placenta. Mm. The circulatory systems are completely independent. Yes, yes, yes. But she says that if Spock has a tiny amount of haemoglobin, his poo would be a dirty beige, uh, which would 
match his emotional state. His beige poo for a uh, beige Spock. <laughs> but, but... It goes on, obviously. It does go on. Like a codeine crab. Because it's kind of a greeny blue. Yes. It's cyan. Yeah, 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 sure. So it's not copper. It's not copper. It's not mm. copper. Damn. Spence, Damn. again, mm-hmm. also linked to a site that mentioned that there's a sulfur-containing migraine medication called sumatriptan that can bond with the iron atom and change the blood colour to green in a process called sulfhemoglobinemia. Right. How bizarre. I can't believe I got that on the first go. <laughs> that is a deep, proper green colour. Oh, good to hear. Oh, excellent. If you pooed that, I would hazard a guess that it would be a deep green coloured poo. Fantastic. Maybe approaching black. Right. That's fine. That's still green. So we got an answer. Come uh, on. Well, no. No. Oh. That's my conceit. Okay. I think that's what it was, but I can't back that up with any... Uh. I, I, we'd need to talk to someone who had sulfur hemoglobinemia mm-hmm. and find out what colour their poo was. Surely the internet has lots of filthy videos about this. Maybe I should turn safe search off. Yeah. Thank you listeners for getting in in contact with us. We always love hearing from you. We actually learned something then. That was a good one. Not just you're wrong, but we learned about Sonia Dada. We learned about cyan coloured poo. We learned lots of different things. It's very important. So make sure you keep us honest and keep the science flowing. <laughs> It's Christmas time, and we've managed to slot some Christmassy science into this podcast. And now I would like to do a Christmas-based song, a Christmas song that's also a science-based song. So without further ado, I give you the Christmas power ballad of Michael Faraday.
If by the end of that song you did not have your mobile phone out and put the flashlight app on and were just waving it above your head so everyone knew that you were moved, then you have no soul. Well, you know what I mean. You have no scientific soul, no joy in your heart. So this is the bit of the podcast where I talk about how crappy that how song you hate, was. You hate everything I, hate I ever bring you. Every song that you bring here. Yes. I got called out on that recently. <laughs> The uh, the one that everyone loved about the string theory, yes, like yes. the Bohemian string yes, theory yes. one. Oh yes, someone called me out on that the other day. Oh really? A little oh. bit pointed. Oh, there you go. That's not the one I'm reviewing this time. No, no, no. Of course not. I'm You're reviewing... reviewing Johnny Berliner's The Christmas Power Ballad of Michael Faraday. And can I just say that was brilliant? Hey! I loved it. That's what's called a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to listen to it again, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, at the end, he's just like, he's like that's, and that's a mole of a, the Faraday concert, and that's a mole of electrons. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, you said mole of electrons. I like Jesus saved our souls, uh, Michael Faraday. You kind of invented rock and roll by creating a microphone which works like a dynamo. Yeah. <laughs> and there was another one in there that said, uh, Jesus does these things in to- heaven. But 
Michael Faraday does these in the real world. Yeah. So, and there was this lovely yeah. little jab. And the other one is, um, uh, he, Jesus might have turned water into wine, but you made chlorine out of brine, which is much more interesting anyway. Much more valuable. Valuable anyway. I was like, oh, it's very good. Brilliant. So, so thank you, Johnny Berliner, and for the Christmas power ballad of Michael Faraday. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other voice, that's now this voice, which is my voice, is the voice of Greg at smartenough.org. We'll be back next year. We will be! Yeah. You can't stop the signal. Although, you know what I love about this month? What's that? It's like the holiday season, mm-hmm. but also there are five Sundays, <gasps> which means we get a whole week off Woo-hoo! doing the podcast. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, not that we don't mind doing the podcast, but it's nice to have one extra No, time. it's a fucking chore. <laughs> it is Every, not. It's like the weight of the world on my shoulders. It's like a big warm hug. We love it. I'm like 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 Atlas with a podcast on my Dan, you love it. You love it. You know you love it. You love it. Fine. I like the acclaim. Send me lots of emails wishing me a Merry Christmas and uh, enthusing me to uh, edit the next one. If you would like to, an easier way of doing that. You can simply go to iTunes and give us a big five-star rating. Indeed, we definitely... It's the end of the year. Come on. You're having your Christmas parties. Mm. Uh, you're having your Kwanzaa parties, supposedly. You're having all sorts of interesting things. But it's time now to reflect and be with family and remember good old Greg and Dan, yep. who slave over a hot podcast, and just give us a little Christmas present of a five rating on iTunes or Google Play. I don't, are we on Google Play? What, what? We're not on Google Play, no are we? No one's on Google Play. No one's on Google. Don't go to Google Play. I, should we be on Google Play? It's not a real thing, is no. it? Oh, okay. Go to iTunes and, and write us a lovely little report. Like, Wouldn't it be awesome? If at the end of the year, instead of writing us a Christmas letter or sending us a uh, a Christmas card, because you know we're in another country to you probably, then just write a little, Dear Greg and Dan, I really love your podcast. It's awesome. Everyone should listen to you and put it on iTunes. Wouldn't that be brilliant? I think it would. That'd be the best thing in the world. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter... Where is C2KB? Same thing with Facebook. Mm-hmm. C2KB. Hooray! If you'd like to chat with some of the other listeners, we do have forums. Yay! Go to smartenough.org. People are in them doing stuff. Forums, aren't they? Some good stuff in there. Yeah, good. Don't sound so surprised. I haven't checked in a week. <laughs> I should have, but I had, had heaps of content. We didn't even get to half the content. I know, I know. At least more for next year. So stay safe, listeners. Don't, it's because of course the silly season sometime. Be careful. Think scientifically about all your crazy actions. Yeah. Try and survive. Drink water. Yes. In, in between drinking all your alcohol. As much water as you drink alcohol. Because our God's listeners sake. are very smart. They are very smart. And, so and they're probably drinking gonna, like dipsomaniacs. Yeah. That's what they're going to be. Drive safely. Yes. And just have a good Christmas. Christmas. And don't get all depressed because right. Christmas time is all about getting depressed. But you don't need to be depressed because there's a, there'll be a new episode of Smart Enough Know Better the first week of January. Ciao, Bella. You are familiar with Superman. Oh, you better believe I am. Yeah. And, and his. Now... Yes. And oh, spoilers. I'm... Sorry. But anyway. Oh. Yeah, just right. So, oops. Trigger uh, warning. <laughs> what sea monkeys? No, they were a gift. Uh, and they, they're a year old, so God knows whether they're... they're... probably mutated now. <laughs> Terrible monster sea monkeys. Or evolved okay. into uh, sea australopithecus. Oh. <laughs> I am making the list. I'm going to find out who is naughty and who is nice.